0: Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Ashwin Shrivikar, City's uh, global head of fintech research. We're on uh, day three um, and starting off the afternoon session of City's eleventh annual fintech conference, and uh, really happy that you're with us. Um, one logistical note before we start this session is for investors who want to ask questions. You'll see a box next to the screen that you're uh, that that you're seeing. This type of of questions in there, I'll get them real time. I can incorporate as we go. Um, But uh, with that said, uh, let's let's get started with the next session. Super excited to have PayPal. Uh, And from the company, we have John Rainey, who is uh, CFO and uh, EVP of Global Customer Operations. Um, John, welcome and good to see you again.
1: Good to see you Ashwin, it's a pleasure to be here today.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. John, I don't normally start these sessions with earnings and model questions, as you know, Uh, but the recent earnings, they were quite eventful, uh, had had a stock reaction. So I'd like to, if you 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 don't mind, just start off with a few uh, related topics. Sure. Um, I I think the first one is to take us through what you saw in the quarter itself in Q3, uh, how that was relative to your expectations and how that shaped your outlook. For, for Q4, so
1: more of a setup question. Sure, sure, happy to. Well, um, I feel like I have to start with eBay. Um, it seems to be the elephant in the corner of the room, but uh, eBay actually came in uh, very close to our expectations for the third quarter. That said, uh, for the full year, the, the pace of their migration has happened quicker than what we expected. And we've talked about the you know roughly um, 700 basis point headwind that we have um, for the full year. But that that shaped up pretty much as we expected. When we when we started the quarter, though, uh, travel uh, the travel and event vertical was actually performing pretty strong, and we had an assumption that that was going to persist throughout the quarter. And what we saw is when we got into the tail end of August and and certainly into September, uh, that really uh, slowed quite a bit. Uh, I think that's when we saw a lot of the concerns around the Delta variant, um, um, you know, tick up. And, and so that, that uh, came in less than what we expected for the quarter. We also had an expectation around stronger back to school shopping than what we experienced. And so, you know, September was, it was a really odd month. I, I described it as sort of this September malaise because there were a number of factors, even the, the consumer confidence reading came out that month that was uh, very weak. Um, and and that was uh, it was disappointing to us. Certainly came in less than what we expected. But as we launched into October, we actually saw um, a resurgence in some of our core trends, and uh, and that that's you know persisting today. So we're we're excited about that. But we're also measured in that excitement because we recognize that with all of the concerns and, and press that we see around uh, supply chain issues, uh, you know the. It, labor market issues, things like that, that there could be some uh, pull forward from from, uh, holiday shopping. Um, We certainly, um, you know, we're counting on uh, continued strong e-commerce growth in in the holiday season, but I think it's reasonable to believe that if consumers are following the press, then they're likely um, responding to a lot of these offers that uh, merchants are putting out there. But that said, um, when you look at whether it's Adobe or Mastercard and some of the the e-commerce projections for the fourth quarter, we're still projecting to grow roughly two x what the rest of the market is. And so, you know, the 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 balance of the year is shaping up um, more or less as we had planned, particularly with respect to the number of initiatives that um, that we that we launched and and talked about in the last call. But we just uh, the starting off point was a little bit uh, slower or less than what we had expected.
0: Okay. Okay. Got it. Uh, One positive surprise was was OS uh, grew 50% in the quarter, certainly significantly ahead of what what we were expecting, but also what you were expecting. Um, And we get this question a lot from investors. How do you model OS? What are the contributing factors? How do you think about growth rate for Q4 and, and, and next year?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's. I appreciate the the question because it's it's something we probably don't give uh, enough guidance on or enough color on uh, to satisfy the investor community. But it, it did grow faster than uh, even what our expectations were for the beginning of the quarter, uh, and and I'll, I'll talk about some of the the reasons why. But first, as we think about the fourth quarter, I would expect that growth rate. to uh, slow to roughly half of what we saw in, in the last quarter. It'd be a, a more normalized uh, growth rate for that part of the business. But the, the contributing factors are really around credit. Uh, credit continues to perform uh, very strong relative to last year. <clears throat> and and there's really two factors that I'd uh, point you to. One is uh, strong growth in the synchrony loan portfolio. And, and I think that that's an important point to mention, particularly as we think about the trajectory into next year, because what we're seeing right now is with all of the stimulus that's been injected into the economy, um, loss rates are are really performing very well. And, and our agreement with Synchrony is is a profit sharing one, so we uh, we recognize it as revenue, but it's it's basically a profit contribution from that portfolio, which is inclusive of revenue minus losses. And so, as losses have performed better this year, we've seen stronger performance there going into next year, I would expect that in the absence of stimulus uh, to, to normalize a bit. And so we would expect OVAS overall next year to grow uh, quite a bit less than, than what we expect uh, the rest of the PayPal portfolio. The other contributing factor in the quarter though was the acceleration of revenue recognition related to the PPP loan portfolio. And so um, we, we do certain services around origination of those activities as well as servicing those activities And we we recognize that revenue over the duration of the agreement. And and as um, uh, our partner there, WebBank, actually sold part of that portfolio, um, we have to then accelerate the recognition of that. And so that was also a contributing factor in the quarter, which we should not expect to continue into the fourth quarter and next year. Right, right.
0: And and when I look at sort of non-transaction-related OPEX, grown 25% 25% year over year for the first nine months. How are you thinking about that um, Q4 and next year?
1: Yeah, so we've we've really sort of seized the opportunity in front of us and invested a lot into uh, this current environment that we're in. That said, um, we are going to have an operating margin this year, uh, very similar to what we had last year, which was a record year for us. And so um, we're, we're able to to, do those investments, by while still seeing our margins um, uh, climb like they have. But um, you know, a lot of the the investment that we're making in Ashwin is is like in permanent heads. Like they, these aren't sort of necessarily like one time costs that um, we incur in one quarter and are out the next quarter. We're we become a lot more a lot better and a lot more efficient at uh, our own organic development our own engineering resources and and um the yield that we're getting from that and so we've added more resources there the, the the reason i describe it that way is you know we were growing roughly 25 percent this year we grew roughly 25 percent uh next year um th- th- those those costs that we've added aren't going away so we have those engineering resources as we go next year i don't think we're going to grow 25 percent next year in fact we guided to something that is sort of a high single digits and i think that's an appropriate level of investment for us that still enables us to capitalize on the opportunity while not being um, spread too thin and focusing on, on too many things and so we'll get to what is you know next year probably a more um Uh, normal expense growth rate, uh, similar to what we've seen prior to the pandemic uh, time period.
0: Okay, okay, got it, got it. I I, want to get back to what you call the elephant in the room, eBay. Um, Obviously, modeling it has been, uh, modeling the deceleration has been a challenge for many. Where do we stand now? For Q, just to be clear, was that the last part of the decel or has the timing changed? And then um, I, I wanna make sure that that everyone gets the tough comps part of it right for next year. So can you remind investors of how to think about 2022?
1: Sure, sure. So I'll start with the fact that our business ex eBay is, is the best proxy for how we're going to perform going forward and implicit in the 18%, roughly 18% revenue guidance that we provided for next year is 22% revenue growth ex eBay. And, you know, we're at at a point where uh, eBay is roughly 3% of our business and we would expect it to stay in that range for for, um, the foreseeable future. That said, to your point, um, we we sort of saw the brunt of that impact this year and we're going to lap that next year. Um, But, you know, the, the eBay migration was effectively complete at the end of the third quarter. And so what's happening to our business right now is not the continuing decline, it's simply the comparison of the performance in one period to a period in a prior uh, to a quarter or year that, uh, that had that eBay in- impact. And so for us, um, the first quarter is going to have the most acute pressure from a year-over-year perspective, and, and our growth rates will probably look pretty similar to what they are in fourth quarter. The second quarter will be Uh, uh, you know, a little bit less of an impact than that in the third quarter, even less than that. But by the fourth quarter of next year, we're getting to what is a normal sort of apples to apples comparison of our performance, where the mix of eBay and our business is not changing or the composition of that is not changing year over year. And so as we noted, we expect to exit next year at at an overall growth rate for PayPal that is in line with or higher than our medium term guidance.
0: Okay, okay, got it. Right, uh, and, and just to be clear, uh, you know, when you said e- eBay is now stable in, in dollar terms, it's stable or is percenter. Rev it's stable, uh, how did you mean?
1: Yeah, so really um, I'm talking about that in terms of the, their overall migration. So they've, uh, they've effectively migrated 100% of their merchants. And so there is not another shoe to drop. And so our business going forward will be really retaining our share of checkout with those merchants, which we've said is, you know, approximately 50, 50%, percent five zero percent of that. And so we would expect that to uh, be very consistent over time based upon our prior experience. Um, what is harder to gauge is sort of like how eBay overall does. You know, they are a, um, a lower growth business. Um, so we're not necessarily expecting anything different than that uh, as we move into the future.
0: Got it, got it, okay. Um, and, and, you know, um, just getting more eBay questions. So eBay take rate, is that also stable going forward?
1: Yeah, so uh, a year ago, the eBay take rate was roughly 4% on our business. And I believe, if, if memory serves me correctly, in the last quarter, it was 2.37%. Um, yeah. There is a little bit more of a decline uh, that we'll see there. But um, because it's such a, a, a smaller part of our business right now, it really won't have the uh, more pronounced effect that we've seen in the last two quarters, where roughly half of the decline in our take rate has been a result of eBay. So we do expect a, a little bit of a compression there, but overall, our take rate should, um, or the, the, the rate of decline in take rate should abate from what we've seen in the last two quarters. Right, right. Okay.
0: Um, but I, and I don't want to kind of ignore or forget an important thing it said in 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 there, which was X eBay. Um, I think you're growing 28 percent
1: this year. Um,
0: yep. Th- this this year, and you're basically thinking of low twenties, 22 ish um, next year. Is that sustainable going forward? A- and the the point of this is, you know, the 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 the, the most frequent long term investor question I get is how do you think of whatever's happened in 2021 in the context of your mi- medium term sure. outlook, Yeah, right? i so, happy to, but, go ahead. Yeah, if you, if you talk about like how years, at this point, year one's kind of in the books, sort of, um, you know, year two, um, you kind of talked about, but year three, four, five, is it like
1: 22-ish? Yeah, so our medium term guidance that we laid out always contemplated that 2021 would be the most difficult year in terms of the impact of eBay. And then we would lap some of that in 2022. If you step back and you think about where our latest guidance is, and, and look, I'm, I'm disappointed to be lowering guidance for the fourth quarter, but the full year guidance that we've given right now is basically right where we expected to start the, the, the year um, when we gave our guidance on the first quarter call. Um, and so things are on track, right. Uh, and, and, that was, you know, just a couple of weeks before our, uh, investor day where we gave that medium term guidance. So uh, a different way of saying that is, you know, that was the basis for the medium term guidance that we provided. And we are exactly where we expected to be. And so those, that medium term guidance always contemplated that we were going to have this lapping impact from eBay where in the earlier years or earlier periods, um, you'd see, um, the, the pressure uh, from, on growth rates from eBay as it be, be, being a larger part of our business at that point in time. And then you see an acceleration from there. And and I think that really points to the tremendous opportunity that we have, not only in, in the space that we operate in, the industry that we operate in, but the tremendous opportunity that we have at PayPal. And, and that's why, you know, we, we focus so much on some of the things like, Improving our checkout experiences, the, the, the experiences associated with the, the digital app, and, and then, you know, further down the road, even international expansion that becomes a, a bigger impact. And so I, I think anybody probably listening to this um, recognizes and appreciates that we operate in a space that has a tremendous amount of growth potential. Um, and and you see that in our in our ex eBay numbers and you know our focus at PayPal every day is how we continue to uh, see those trends uh, continue or even accelerate from there with additional experiences that we're providing.
0: Okay. Okay. And again, you, you touched on a couple of areas, and I'm getting a a, a, a lot of questions also, partly related to uh, certain other comments out there in in uh, in, in the space today, uh, but when it Talk about international growth, cross-border growth. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned the, um, the the point on that part doing better in the future. You also talked about um, e-com and e com market share uh, is, is obviously a, a factor you have to have to think about. Um, can you talk about those factors sort of you know, kind of pulling it all? Uh, pulling it all together, um, you know, if, if, you, if you don't
1: mind. Sure, sure. Well, to start with, uh, I know that from the feedback we've received from uh, many investors, um, the international growth numbers in the quarter were, were not all that impressive. But when you look at it on a currency neutral basis, actually, the decline in international was um, fairly similar to what we saw in the U.S. Uh, we have to remember that international last year, particularly in Europe, um, performed very, very well. I can't remember the exact growth rates, but what I want to say it was high 20s percent, like 28 um, percent. And that was, you know, we were seeing sort of a, a second or third lockdown during that period of time. There was a resurgence of some of the uh, the, the virus. And so that contributed to a lot more, um, um, you know, people doing uh, things online versus in person. So we were lapping that experience. Exacerbating that that impact is this year, uh, we see a lot of the supply chain issues that are out there, which are more acute in the APAC or the Asia region. And so, I think the double whammy of that um, provided numbers that uh, were not, you know, in line with sort of the overall growth trends of the business. But that said, international is a tremendous opportunity for us. And, and like Japan is is the example that that I have to start with because we just made the acquisition of Paydii there, which is a a great platform with a two-sided network, doing installment pay there in Japan, and really caters to some of the uh, predilections of, of uh, consumer behavior there. Um, and, and so, if you think about Japan, you step back; it's a it's a market with 120 ish uh, million digital users, um, and you know we're excited to have this as an accelerant to our growth there. Um, but even more broadly than that, you think about Mexico or, or even South America, you've got roughly half a billion. Um, I'm, I'm rounding up a little bit, but call it roughly half a billion digital users there and arguably more white space uh, where you don't have an entrenched competitor like maybe you do in the China region or something like that. And we think that our capabilities and product features really cater to some of the um, uh, consumer demand there. And so, you know, our focus um, may, may be slightly different in the past where we were casting a net very wide and, and trying to kind of do all things for all regions of the world. Our focus internationally is much more targeted now to um, execute in areas where we think that we can not just have a right to play, but a right to win, where we can we can truly be successful. And so you see that in Japan, you see that in in uh, Mexico and South America. And then eventually, you know, we look forward to the opportunity to expand Venmo internationally in one of the existing core markets that we have today. I think all of that is uh, is a tremendous opportunity for us as we look out over the next four or five years.
0: Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, and judging by the frequency of, of, of what types of questions I'm getting here, um, I do want to kind of, change the order of what I intended to ask and talk about uh, let's call it button wars uh, if you if you if you will Um, and look I mean our point of view is is kind of
1: hyper-competitive environment. Um, you know, I, I joined the company in 2015, and at that point in time, the, the questions around competition were more with the traditional players in the ecosystem. Maybe you throw in Apple there, and th- that, the list of competitors has changed over time. I think maybe some of the concerns around that existing set that I said have, have, have abated some, um, and or maybe we've allayed the concerns that are out there, but now it's a new set of competitors. And, and so that's what motivates us each day to wake up and and you know try to uh, thrive in this this market. And I think it's also why you see some of the valuations in this space because the addressable opportunity is so large. And I've never, never really held the belief that this is going to be a space where there's a winner take all. I think there's uh, plenty of room for a few players. I think over time, those few players though will be ones that have great digital wallet experiences because I do think that Consumers are going to habituate to that and merchants are going to um, respond to that habituation with some of what they're doing both online and in store. Um, so I think that there's uh, you know a, a, a tremendous amount of opportunity in that space. But but look, if, if we look at our own share, uh, as an example, Oshawa, and we compare our, our market share relative to the entire ecosystem, what we've seen is that yes, some others are gaining share, but not at our expense. What we're actually seeing is that the typing the, 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 the debit or credit card in the browser is actually the one that has seen a decrease. And so you continue to see um, players like PayPal continue to maintain their market share or even grow it uh, in certain cases. But for us, like uh, we need to nail checkout. That is like our, one of our single greatest advantages is the scale that we have. And the two decade experience with our customers that with a brand that's built around trust and security, that really, really matters. But we can't just sit on our laurel, laurels and expect that that's gonna be the recipe for success in the, in the next two decades of experience. And so it's why we're so focused on improving checkout and providing these, these experiences to our consumers. And so I'll, I'll give you one last sort of data point um, to close out this answer. But uh, when we look at, the behavior of our consumers today that use PayPal. Um, roughly half the time that a PayPal uh, consumer has the opportunity to check out with us, they actually do. And so that's, you know, there's two ways of looking at that. You can say, well, gosh, that's not very good. Um, but you can also say that's a huge opportunity. And so, you know, said differently, we could double the size of our of our business without ever adding a, another customer if our customers that we have just used us um, all the time today. And so that, that to us points to like, we have opportunity because when we look across our breadth of, of over 30 million merchants and we analyze our share of checkout at each of those, it actually varies quite significantly. In some cases it's hundred percent, in some cases, we're not getting our fair share. And so like Walmart is a good example. Historically at Walmart, if you wanted to pay with PayPal, I think you had to go to the third page of, of payment options. Well, let's be frank. I mean, no one's going to click three times to use PayPal, including probably PayPal employees. Um, it's just too much friction in the experience. And so what we're doing is working with merchants to improve those experiences where we don't have that high share of checkout so that we can get more of what we think is um, is ours to win. So, you know, there's a tremendous opportunity in this space. It's competitive, certainly, but I like our assets relative to anybody else's.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, and a few of the points that that you that you made there, um, you know, <coughs> one part of it is that the competition doesn't actually have to, you know, start and end at the checkout. It can, it, it, for you can you can bypass that. You can bypass that with BNPL. You can bypass that with Honey. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is you are working with. Merchants um, to improve sort of your positional advantage or relative advantage, if you will. Is that, that, that's that's sort of what I heard. Um, so from an engagement perspective, is it possible to maybe quantify, you know, both the customer and merchant side because that that becomes important in the, in, in, to, to to get to a more holistic answer, if you will.
1: Yeah, well, it it varies uh, greatly depending upon um, you know merchants and consumers. Some use us all the time. Some uh, are sort of only when they have to. But I'll point you to our engagement numbers in, in the most recent quarter, which were our highest ever, and the the overall sort of headline number of a ten percent increase in engagement. Really, I think belies what's happening to the rest of our business because again, I, I sound like a broken record here, but if we strip out eBay our engagement grew almost 20%. And so 18% is the actual number. And so that, that's a great indication that a lot of the things that we're doing in our business and adding some of these experiences with the digital wallet, um, the growth with new merchants, that it's it's really having an effect and having the effect that, that we wanted. And so as we think about how we achieve, our revenue uh, um, uh, aspirations over the next several years. It's a combination of both growing net new actives, but also increasing the the overall engagement. And so, the more that we can get people using us all the time, the more that we can, you know, increase that share of checkout. The better it is for our business.
0: Got it. Okay. And you know, certainly during the pandemic, PayPal credit is really not a big part of your toolbox. But right. you're ramping it up again. Can that help engagement? And then to complete the answer on on PayPal credit it does have um, downstream pNL impacts so can you talk about those uh, including tax and so on from just credit normalization if you would
1: sure well uh, credit for us is a very complimentary part of our business it's something that um, is another opportunity for engagement like we see our customers that use PayPal credit as well as Uh, the existing checkout button are much, much more engaged with us. Um, It's also something that we want to be balanced in in terms of how far we lean into that, because we don't want to, uh, as I've said in the past, like go through a credit cycle and have our earnings deteriorate to the point that people think about the durability of those differently and put a different multiple on us. And so we have very um, clear and careful guardrails in terms of our overall credit business. Now that said, the, the latest uh, sort of, Incarnation of this is installment pay, and that's you know uh, on the tip of everyone's tongue. And, and and there's a lot of new firms in this space that are that are playing in this space. But it's a it's a great opportunity for us because it has very low risk characteristics. Um, in fact, today only about 15% of the funding of our installment pay is is done with a credit instrument. The rest of it is either ACH or debit, and so um, it, it has uh, you know low risk characteristics. But at the same point in time. Um, you know, the, the, the value proposition to merchants is tremendous when we're not charging anything for this. We've got over 430 million customers that have this product and the merchant bears no risk. And so it, it's another sort of flywheel effect or, or engagement opportunity for our customer base. And, and it'll probably be the largest uh, uh, growth area in our credit portfolio uh, going forward. But that said, as I started the answer, like we're going to be very careful around um, our dependence on credit so that uh, it doesn't change the economic profile of our business.
0: Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, is there at this point, I mean, you know, almost a year, uh, uh, I think it's about a year since you announced, formally announced BNPL. Um, what's, the, what's the overall market feedback that you that you get, particularly as so many other options have shown up?
1: Yeah. Well, it, it is sort of a like, you know, we talked about earlier, it's a crowded space, right? There, there are many people playing in the space. And um, and we were later to the party than others, right? There, others had a head start. But if you look at the overall volume that we're doing on our platform right now, roughly $8 billion annualized, it's uh, on par with what anyone else is doing in the space. <clears throat> and to me, uh, I could point to a lot of other metrics, but that that is sort of the you know, point to the scoreboard type metric, like we are get a rate, uh, getting tremendous amount of, of, of volume in this because there's a huge appetite from, from not only consumers to use this, but merchants to have it as a payment option because they recognize the increase in conversion, the increase in average order size, the increase in engagement that comes from this. And so again, I, I think our value proposition is second to none. Uh, I think our experiences are, are very good and um, and there's a tremendous appetite for this right now and so it's something that we're really excited to add to our portfolio and you know and in, in this quarter we'll be adding it to um, two other markets in Spain and Italy and uh, we'll continue from there
0: okay okay got it um, I, I do have one little quick question going back to the midterm guidance and the clarification question that that I have from an investor uh, which is uh, is formally is Amazon is that included in your midterm was that always included or or is that incremental
1: so if you go back to whoever it was february of this year at our investor day um i can't say that specifically amazon was included um but we did have an assumption in there around a number of different large merchants deal uh deals that um you know we now have the ability to do since we're um freed from the operating agreement with ebay and so um a different way of saying that is is there should be no change to our medium-term guidance simply because of Amazon as it exists today. Now, over time, if that uh, turns out to be uh, much greater than, than what we expected and, and we get a lot of traction there, that could change. A number of other factors could change uh, our guidance as well because there's just a, a huge opportunity in our space. But at this point in time, um, all, all of that was uh, uh, call it roughly included because we had assumptions in there around merchant growth.
0: Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, one of the questions um, that, you know, it may be a little bit less frequent now. Um, this is kind of noisy, but but we did get a lot of questions was with with regards, you know, Pinterest. And that's kind of the desire to do larger MA, if you will, broadly speaking. Uh, on your earnings call, you mentioned a higher hurdle rate for larger m um, Kind of, if you think of the strategic question, though, of what attributes or criteria do you look for for m and geo expansion, how important is, is is the underlying model? I mean, will you step into advertising-based models, for example, considering you have many clients for whom that's core? Uh, any incremental color around that would be helpful.
1: Sure. Sure. Well. Can't imagine why why that's been a question, but um, it, you know I'll start with the point that I, I think is uh, a really important one, and is that we are a business that generates a tremendous amount of cash flow, and, uh, and and that allows us the luxury of being a very acquisitive company. Um, you know I don't, I don't I can't sit back and say that there are holes in our portfolio or needs that we have to achieve our, our five year plan that we need to go fill. Uh, through acquisitions, I think that that's entirely an organic plan. Um, but there's always opportunities to complement or accelerate what we're doing with acquisitions, and historically, those have been uh, of a of a smaller variety in terms of overall dollars. Call it you know one to to four five billion um, dollars, and, and that's generally the way that investors should think about our business going forward. That that really fits our model uh, a lot more. Uh, but that said. Um, I mentioned this, like for for every deal that we announce, there's a hundred that we don't look at. And and the opportunity in front of us is so expansive. We don't want to kind of put our head in the sand and not explore certain other things. Now, look, I mean, we're, we're not gonna go like buy a railroad. I mean, we're not gonna go that far afield, but there are certain technology things, whether it's ad tech or what we can do around commerce that certainly are not too far afield from what we do. And, and we have to explore. In this particular uh, situation that was that was uh, speculated about and rumored, um, you know, it, it would have been a much bigger deal and really, um, uh, you know, kind of point to one of those directions that I, I just referred to, but, you know, we elected not to do that. In fact, I think, you know, we actually weren't even that far along in, uh, in, in the process there, and so there was a, a little bit of reading into that, but we're always going to explore deals. I think Ashwin, that's sort of my job as, as a fiduciary and uh, um, sort of steward of the resources that we're managing that are the investor's money, right? Is, is how do we create more market value? And as I look at our organic plan today, I think we have the same opportunity or greater that we've had that we've experienced or realized over the last five years. We have that over the next five years, but that may not be good enough, right? M- maybe there's other opportunities that if we were to really nail some other vector, that even create more shareholder value. Now that said, I, I mean, stating the obvious there's execution risk with, with all of these things and that plays into um, our, our calculus on this. So as you ask about sort of the, the metrics or sort of um, um, analytics or the way that we look at this, I mean, execution risk is a, is a, is a huge thing. Like right? we don't want to get so distracted that we stop running the company and start running a merger. And believe me, I like, I, I come from a background where that happened to me with the merger of Continental and, and United. And there, there's some real scar tissue there. So um, I'm, I'm very cognizant of, uh, of of the effect that that can have on the business. But, you know, I, I want the investors to know that um, our core business is, is doing fantastic. You know, set aside sort of some of the, the comp numbers that we're dealing with right now in the current quarter but our core business is doing fantastic but we also have opportunities that we need to explore from time to time our model going forward should be pretty much from an m perspective what you've seen in the past but we, we also have to explore some things and you know maybe one day one of those works but it's not as if we have 20 billion dollars that is burning a hole in our pocket and we feel like we have to go spend that yeah yeah um no
0: that that's that's a fair answer um i want to close out. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but we are kind of coming up on time. Uh, I want to close out with maybe a, a last question on, you know, super app uh, rollout. How should investors think about it? Is it helping engagement? Is it doing what you thought uh, it would it would do? Um, you know, I think that can feed into that overall answer with regards to competition as well.
1: Sure. Sure. So the early returns are very encouraging. Um, and we talked about a lot of those on the, on the call, like uh, discoverability has increased 25x. We're seeing um, increases and in, in engagement among a number of things like um, like crypto, as an example, first time users are up 15%. And so each of these things, um, you know, while very early on, these th- these are the sort of the seeds of growth that we're very focused on to make sure that we're getting the type of uh, results from an engagement perspective that that we expected, and and there's so much more to come. Uh, we talked about a lot of the things that um, that we have on a roadmap, and there are many things that we haven't talked about yet. Some of which for competitive reasons, but but I think right now, like it's it's too early to extrapolate the the trends that we've seen just in a in a in a month or two. But um, that as as the CFO, as someone that sort of you know, laser focus on how the, the yield is for these investments that we've made. I'm very, very encouraged by what we're seeing. And, and you know, this is, the, um, this is the foundation for how we're going to grow going forward. Again, I think the ascendancy of digital wallets is something that, that is going to happen over the next several years. It's just, it's fundamentally better and easier for consumers. And so we're going to invest into that. And we expect to see a, a lot of improvements uh, in engagement from those, from those uh, additional products and features.
0: Great. That's actually a very good note to end on. Uh, John, I want to say thank you very much for your insights. Uh, Great conversation as usual. Um, And I really appreciate you you being part of our conference.
1: Well, it's, it's always a real pleasure, Ashwin. Thank you very much.